Welcome to Punditocracy, Lawrence.com's politics and culture podcast. I'm Gavin, and this week's installment features an interview with Danny Schechter, a rabid media watchdog who goes by the telling online title of The News Dissector. Schechter got tuned in as an alternative journalist in the 60s, turned on to mainstream media as an Emmy award-winning producer for CNN and ABC, then dropped out to become a prolific author, filmmaker, and blogger who set his sights on the corporate media that he increasingly saw as an enemy of the truth. He founded website MediaChannel.org and production company Global Vision, wrote books including When News Lies and The Death of Media, and made films such as In Debt We Trust and WMD, Weapons of Mass Deception. Weapons of Mass Deception will be screening at Liberty Hall on March 14th, and Mr. Schechter was kind enough to chat with me via the decidedly old media of telephone from his New York City office. Danny Schechter, prolific author, director, and media critic, whose film Weapons of Mass Deception will be showing at Liberty Hall in Lawrence. Thank you again for joining us here at Lawrence.com. My pleasure. For a little bit of background, you began your career in the traditional media, working for outlets such as CNN and ABC News, amongst others, but are now one of the most outspoken critics of that traditional media. Was there a specific incident that maybe forced this change for you? Talk about the transition you made from well, reporting you know, the news to reporting how the news is reported. To an insider to an outsider again. Yeah. I started in the independent alternative media culture of the 60s. I worked for Ramparts Magazine. I worked for Rock and Roll Radio. Then I made a transition into TV as an on-air reporter in public television and then a producer at CNN, ABC News uh, 2020. And after eight years there, I began to become very dissatisfied, even though I was able to do some good work, just with the whole culture, the more and more focus on celebrities, more and more showbiz instead of newsbiz less and less reporting on the world, uh, more and more personality promotion. And, and as a consequence, I decided, well, listen, let's see what I can do differently. And with a partner, we both started Global Vision, an independent media company, began doing TV series about important issues that we cared about, apartheid in South Africa, human rights around the world, the election in 2000. And we began to do documentary films of various kinds, and at the same time in the year 2000 created MediaChannel.org, which is the world's largest online media issues network, now has 1,300 affiliates. And the idea of Media Channel is that as the media watches the world, we watch the media. So I began blogging and writing a sort of counter-narrative to the daily news, offering other sources and other ways of looking at important subjects, and I'm still doing that. So... I went from, uh, you know, joining the media to spotlight the problems of the world to realizing that the media is one of the problems of the world <laughs> and that I could try to do something about it through mobilizing people in the media world to challenge it. And since we started uh, as rather lonely voices seven years ago, today there's a sort of national consensus that the media has broken down, that it's not working, that it doesn't have the respect 
of people. Uh, circulation is down at newspapers, TV ratings, the news programs is off. Viewers are defecting. We have new media, new blogs, new websites, uh, YouTube, all kinds of other uh, media outlets, uh, Google and Yahoo, etc., that we never had years ago. So in many ways, there's more choice today and more sources of information than there was before. And at the same time, there's more media concentration, more control by fewer and fewer people. So my conclusion is that the situation isn't very good uh, and that, in fact, the media, instead of strengthening our democracy, is actually threatening it. And that's kind of the thesis of weapons of mass deception that the well, that the, the media failed to do its job. The begin the run up to the war. I began watching uh, it on TV with that great media analysis tool called the remote control. <laughs> and I began uh, switching from channel to channel, trying to keep track of what was on and what wasn't on uh, to look in look at how things were being covered to compare and contrast coverage, and that led to a book called Embedded Weapons of Mass Deception, in which I write week by week how the media was was actually becoming a cheerleader for war as opposed to a reporter of the conflict. In fact, learned that out of 800 experts on the air in the United States on all the channels, only six criticized the war. So there was like a consensus, group think. Everybody, you know, was 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 on message and 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 on uh, basically supporting the war that the Bush administration was promulgating with massive lies, including the weapons of mass deception, the Osama Saddam connection, all of which turned out not to be true, but which was treated as if it was true in in uh, you know literally thousands of news reports. So I wrote about that and. My book came out. It was the first book published, you know, on Iraq, and, and it was basically buried. And nobody reviewed it. It was ignored, largely because I was, you know, the whole media consensus was going one way and I was going the other. So that's when I decided as a filmmaker, uh, show this. Let's show it to people. Let's show them what actually was going on. So I started on this film, WMD, Weapons of Mass Deception. And the first thing I found out was nobody was willing to fund it. Nobody was willing to distribute it. No TV channels were interested in a critique of the media. So I had to find independent sources of funding, investors and the like. And the movie came out in, in, in 2004. It was shown at a... I actually had it finished before Michael Moore's Fahrenheit 9-11, but I didn't have the money to finish it or to promote and market it. Michael, you know, to his credit, was able to get $6 million to make his movie and something like $60 million to market it. I, you know, I had barely a couple of hundred thousand dollars to put the whole thing together, but I did it, and the film has now been shown in... Uh, 39 countries, which is quite an achievement for an independent documentary. I did a second book called When News Lies on Media Complicity in the Iraq War, which in, in which the DVD of the film is there. We set up a website, wmdthefilm.com, for people who want more information. So, you know, this issue is an, a continuing issue, and it became a big debatable issue. We went from you know, uh, saturation coverage of Iraq to almost no coverage of Iraq. And so do you feel that the the media is just as responsible for getting us into Iraq as the Bush administration? Yeah, and I mean, I, yeah, I, I do, and I, I think this is a point that many in the anti-war movement don't see. 
they you know they see Bush, he's bad. They see Rumsfeld, they see Cheney. You know they they see the neocons, and they see them over and over again, and they constantly are protesting the same issues without really looking at how this war was actually created in the media, how it was how the media was used to mobilize public opinion, how the media was used to mobilize people to join the military, how how the, how this whole thing was marketed and sold. In fact, the president. Assistant said it was like uh, launching a product line. Okay, uh, you know, so they were very conscious of that and, and using what's called information warfare to their advantage. But many people on the left couldn't see it. And the reason is many of them a don't watch television for right. one thing because it's so awful. You know, they would <laughs> rather not watch it. They'd rather listen to Amy Goodman or somebody they could agree with. Right. Uh, secondly. Uh, you know, they don't realize that that they think power is in Washington, power is in the government, power is in the White House. But actually, we live in a corporate system, not simply, you know, a government system. And the corporations, with their money, with their power, are often shaping the way policies are made. And in this case, the media companies are the front face of the corporations. They are corporations. They are profit uh, making institutions for the most part, even though uh, public television is often cloning what, what commercial television is doing, not really deviating from it. But nevertheless, we have a very commercialized media system, and that media system knows that war is good for ratings. War is good for generating revenues and feeling important. And, you know, and, and so the, the media rallied to the war, you know, and, and they were able to use it as a tremendous programming tool and device. Now, there's a little bit of embarrassment in government about all the people who went along with the war and didn't challenge it. But, you know, even though the Washington Post, the New York Times have admitted that their coverage was bad, most of the networks have continued to go on with what they've been doing. There is a little bit more thoughtful coverage, but still we don't hear from anti-war uh, movement leaders. We don't really hear from international voices. We barely hear from Iraqi people. You know, in other words, the, it, the war is what I call AAU, all about us. Mm -hmm. It's all about Americans, you know, American casualties, American policymakers. And the plight of the Iraqis, the terrible suffering, we see, you know, every night we see more people dying, but we don't know their names. We don't know what this is all about, this whole sectarian war that the United States actually encouraged initially uh, in order to divide and rule, get the Shiites fighting the Sunnis, et cetera, and so forth. So, you know, this is something that uh, has deeper causes that we're still not getting analysis of. In other words, we have images, we don't have analysis. And so do you think that the media was mostly just lazy in its complicity, or do you think that there was a more sinister sort of war profiteering well, there was motivation a there? Going on. First, the media companies themselves had an interest here. At the very time the war was starting, they were lobbying the FCC for rule changes that would allow them to buy up more uh, stations and, and actually grow more powerful. So there was a sort of quid pro quo, as I explained in my film, with the FCC saying, look, you guys wave the flag and we'll wave the rules. And that's what happened. Michael Powell of the FCC did go and... and uh, promote a, a rule change, which was later rejected. So, uh, so there was that. But also, uh, you know, many of the 
network people really also had a very limited understanding. After 9-11, you know, America's a wounded country. We felt we were attacked. Uh, you know, we, we were looking to the government to protect us. There was a lot of fear going on. And so the explanations that were offered in all their simplicity uh, seemed to make sense to a lot of people. The experts, they consulted, all agreed. There was a consensus. And as a consequence, they felt they were doing a great job of coverage. And so, you know, so were they lazy? Of course they were lazy. <laughs> were they? But it's no more lazy than they've been on other subjects. I mean, two weeks ago, the biggest news story in terms of airtime in America was Anna Nicole Smith. Yep. While Iraq was exploding, while the Congress was rebelling, Anna Nicole Smith got most of the coverage. So, you know, this is a pattern. This is an institutionalized problem, not just a personal, individual problem of some of some commentators. And the actually the, the sort of nexus of politics in the media in the run up to the Iraq War had a spotlight today when Scooter Libby was found guilty of perjury and obstruction. Do you think that trial shed any light on how we got well, into Iraq? I mean, I think the trial ironically shed light on a couple of issues. One, yes, that the that the uh, you know uh, Bush administration and Cheney were lying, were leaking information, were spinning the news to their own advantage, uh, and were using the media. On the other hand, many people in the media were willing to be used, willing to cooperate, willing to collaborate. Apparently, it was Tim Russert's testimony that persuaded the jury, but Tim Russert himself. Uh, you know, willingly was interviewed by the FBI. I never told anybody about it till much later. So, you know, there, there a lot of the media people who were involved here, including Judith Miller of the New York Times, Bob Woodward of the Washington Post, did not exactly acquit themselves with great honor and distinction. <laughs> so, in a sense, the the the, the Liddy trial was kind of a window, you know, into a deeper, uh, you know. Uh, problem in america which is a news media which tends to get along by going along and do you think that the media might have and and you said that the the new york times and the washington post have both admitted that their their coverage was woefully (laughs) but yes they did that there was that that you know that they regretted it but then we see some of the same the same problems and the same dynamics today as the administration you know uh, seems to be trying to uh, you know, get a consensus or get support for a war with Iran. Mm-hmm. And so some of the same tactics are being used. In other words, I don't think the media learned a lot. In other words, if you make a lot of mistakes, you sort of don't do it again, right. you know, <laughs> at a minimum. You know but, I mean? but you see that it's I mean, happening you, again you, with you, Iran. If you're a doctor and you're giving out a prescription for a medication that is later found to be dangerous to your patients, you don't keep prescribing it. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if you were in a situation today where, you know, our media system seems to learn very little and change its practices very little. I mean, recently, Univision, the Spanish-language station, was fined because it failed to provide educational programs for children. A large fine. But who's finding the big networks for, for not educating the adults <laughs> of America and the public at large? I mean, you know, this is a much deeper problem. That's why we need media reform in America. That's why MediaChannel.org is trying to raise these issues on a regular basis. That's why I'm writing books and making films like WMD to try to get people to pay attention to this problem and do something about it. And that's that's what's the problem here. It's much better to feel self-righteous and go to the White House and scream at Bush as being an idiot rather than, you know, 
take a deviation 10 blocks away and march on the Washington Post and demand that they tell the truth about the war. Mm-hmm. And in, you, as you've said, you are a big proponent of new media, you're co-founder of MediaChannel.org, co-founder of Global Vision, the alternative yeah, media I mean, production we're, company. We're trying. We're an independent company, sort of like it's like being a flea in a field of elephants, okay? <laughs> we don't have the distribution reach to be able to get our message out on anything like a competitive basis with the big guys. You know, we're kind of nibbling around the edges. We're doing the best we can. I mean, I'm proud of the work we do. We've just made a new film called In Debt We Trust, America Before the Bubble Bursts. It warned of what we're now seeing, which is, you know, a market meltdown, the housing bubble bursting, uh, people being thrown out of their homes and not being able to pay their bills. All of that is in In Debt We Trust. We have a website on that, InDebtWeTrust.com. You know, so, you know, we're trying to be on the cutting edge of a lot of these issues, but it's hard to break through. In other words, we have the means of production. We don't have the means of distribution. Mm. And do you think that maybe the advent of things like YouTube and the blogosphere that might in the future counteract the entrenched media? If you go to Google Video, YouTube, put in Global Vision, you you know, we have quite a few things up there. But again, a lot of this has to do with with, um, promotion, and marketing and, and all of the rest of it. And that, and that we don't have the, the, the same capacity to do, unfortunately. But, yeah, I mean, I think that's good. But, you know, a lot of YouTube videos are very sophomoric. You know, it's like, you know, how I, you know, uh, uh, you know how I fell in, in, in the lake during my first date or something. You know what I mean? Right. It's, it's kind of goofy stuff. It does, it's not really informing you. It's not really an alternative to good journalism. I mean, it's a supplement, it's cool, it's fun, but it's not necessarily what we need. We need uh, an informed public. We need people who know something when they go to vote, know something about the candidates, know something about, you know, what the issues are. And they're learning less and less, and that's the danger. Hmm. And you've mentioned In Debt We Trust. Um, what are some of the other projects that uh, Media Channel and uh, Global Vision well, are working you know, on right we're, now? We're, you know, we're... we're we have a website, globalvision.org, with all of our films. People can order them. They can check out what we do. I'd love them to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm, I've just made a film about my own 40 years in the business called Putting the Me Back in Media. <laughs> you know, a work in progress about my own experience, trying to reflect on it and share it with people. So that's a, available. I'm trying to speak at universities and colleges. Maybe someday I'll come out to Lawrence. Who knows if someone invites me? Yeah. But, you know, we're trying to uh, do important work. And, and, you know, we believe in a journalism of participation, we, participatory journalism. We want people to get involved, citizens' journalism, to, to offer input, etc. I mean, I have a, my email is dissector at mediachannel.org. If people want to write or comment, I welcome it, and I publish it on, on Media Channel. So, you know, we're, we're trying to do a multimedia range of things uh, to not only challenge the system, but also show that it's possible to do something else more meaningful. Danny Schechter, author, director, media critic, and maker of the film Weapons of Mass Deception, which we'll be screening in Lawrence. Thank you very much again for joining us here at Lawrence.com. My pleasure. I'd like to once again thank Danny Schechter for joining us here at Lawrence.com and hope that everyone takes the opportunity to check out WMD, Weapons of Mass Deception, at Liberty Hall on March 14th. 
You've been listening to Punditocracy, Lawrence.com's politics and culture talk show. I'm Gavin, and you can contact us at poundingthepundit at yahoo.com, leave comments at lawrence.com, and join our new media revolution at www.myspace.com backslash punditocracy. And remember, just because you're paranoid, it doesn't mean that Wolf Blitzer isn't out to get you. Bye-bye. Yeah, come on.